Hello again, and welcome back to Empires of the Future. This is Denton, your host for today, coming at you live with Jackson Van Dyke. Jackson, how are we doing today? Well, we're doing well. Good, good. This isn't live, by the way, but we are glad to have you guys with us. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. If you've been following along, you'll know in the past couple weeks we've been covering Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And something that we talked about last week, we talked about, we were talking about morality. We talk, we're talking a little bit about kind of uh, natural law, which we started on a couple weeks ago as well. And the conversation kind of spurred a, a, a further conversation with me and Jackson kind of post-podcast um, about sort of the value that we can find in what, what C.S. Lewis calls uh, good dreams, I think is what he mm. calls them. Uh, that is like, uh, even in society, in the world around us, we can see sort of remnants, if you will, or, or clues, cues of the fact that we were created by God and that we were endowed with a certain certain morality, with a certain understanding of right and wrong. And one of the ways in which we see this is in artwork. And myself and Jackson got to talking last week about uh, movies, television, how when we when we watch certain movies, we can see these elements of, of the goodness uh, of right and the wrongness of wrong and how that resonates with us. And, and almost every good movie will have certain elements of that in them. Uh, certainly, most popular movies will. Um, there's a reason uh, why we watch movies that have the good guys winning, and we would not watch movies if the bad guys always won, mm -hmm. uh, because we, we know that that is not the way things ought to be. Uh, and so we, we got to talking about that. And so um, this week, uh, we are going to be looking at something a little more fun, a little more laid back, taking a break from our book. Uh, as good as that is, and we're going to be talking about Marvel movies. What do you think about that, Jackson? Uh, I am a nerd uh, of the First Order. Mm -hmm. I was a nerd. <clears throat> if you had told me in high school that one day, somehow, I, I'm still not convinced that being a nerd is exactly cool, but man, nerds have taken over the world, as most people know, in a lot of ways, and so all of a sudden, nerds are at the table, and uh, I was a comic book nerd, uh, in the 90s, which is a great time to be a comic book nerd, I had to, I had to caution myself when they started making comic book movies because I literally, I remember telling myself, listen, you love this stuff. If this movie is even presentable, you need to be happy because <laughs> uh, for, for anybody who is, uh, say, I, I'm, I'm 42 now. I was born in 1980. Um, there were a lot of bad comic book movies, <laughs> a lot, and... And, you know, there, it, it shocks me to think that there might be people who didn't live through a lot of those uh, because they're still out there. Uh, yeah. It's just that now there's a lot of good comic book movies and yeah. that there's a formula for making good comic book movies. Right. Somehow the people who are making comic book movies, movies right now aren't quite up on the formula yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I am a Marvel uh I got into Marvel in uh, the 90s. Uh, even then, I was more drawn to Marvel than DC, and that has continued. There's a few people I know that are into DC movies, even over Marvel movies. I don't know how you can do that exactly. Uh, we live in a fallen world. Well, yeah. <laughs> if that's not a, a demonstration of that, I don't know what is. Right. So I have ridden the wave of lowering my expectations and then... Some of the things we'll talk about today to go, wow, some of my expectations, turns out, didn't have to be lowered. There have been some really good Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, so so what we kind of want to do today um, is we want to talk about, Jackson and I have both prepared, uh, considered what is our 
Uh, now, there is a distinction between favorite Marvel movie and Marvel movie that we think has um, kind of the most profound uh, moral messages in it mm-hmm. that we as, as Christians look at and see that is uh, a, a picture of the fact that we were created by God and we were endowed with, with a moral understanding. Though it is skewed by sin and we recognize that, even still we see the, the fingerprints of our Creator on the fact that there are things that are valued as good, there are things that are valued as bad universally, and mm-hmm. we see that reflected in, in Marvel movies. And, mm-hmm. and some of you, if you're fans of Marvel movies out there, you probably immediately have certain things that come to your mind that, that remind you of this. But Jackson and I have both selected what we consider to be our, um, our favorite Marvel movie as far as how it portrays a, a good moral concept. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. But before we do, uh, what would you say is the worst comic book movie that you've ever seen? You know, you did grow up through like the, the 90s, and so there were some bad yeah. ones. What's the worst one? Um, probably something like a Punisher Warzone, Blade 3. Whoa. <laughs> um, so the, it, there are, if I were doing a tier list, it would be pretty easy to start populating the the F category. Yeah. Um, uh, in in terms of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, I, I think Iron Man three is uh, oh sure is the lowest for I me. I think I would agree with that. Um, well, and I and and uh, I know there are popular yeah. ones to really put down there, like Thor two, Thor the Dark World. Is, is mm-hmm. it's not it's not good. It's uh, for my tastes. Uh, plot matters a lot, and characterization is this character behave? They make sense, mm-hmm. uh, and and so. Uh, for the MCU, I would put Iron Man three uh, as lowest. What would you say? Yeah. Um. So we kind of early on when we were talking about doing this, we limited our our selections up to Endgame. So if I'm limiting myself from whatever was first, was Iron Man first or was Incredible Hulk first? They came out the same year, actually. Iron, Iron Man, Man, I believe. Yeah. Um. So if we're talking between Iron Man and Avengers Endgame. I think I would agree with you. Iron Man three is mm-hmm. the worst, um, and I would probably say the next worst was Captain Marvel. No, that's after Endgame. Yeah, they came out after Endgame. On the timeline, I guess it's before, because it's like back in the eighties or nineties, whatever. But okay, well then I would agree with you. Yeah, your exact assessment. Iron Man three is my least favorite, and then Thor two. Um, yeah, as far as like old Disney movies. Or Disney movies, old like uh, Marvel or comic book movies. I think probably the worst one I remember seeing uh, was Catwoman with Halle well, Berry. That one's pretty legendary as far as how bad it yeah. is. I actually haven't seen that. Um, I I I trusted people. I just said okay. Yeah. I've seen. Uh, well, you know, I've seen when you've seen some bad DC movies. Mm-hmm. It's so disheartening, <laughs> and you yeah. go, I don't want to see anymore. And I'm not trying to exalt and hate here. I don't want to just right. – something's not right there, and I don't yeah. want to <laughs> jump on the bandwagon of why even watching that movie because I'm convinced. Whatever, what I've heard, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. it's probably not great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I tell you what's funny, you know, and it's because it takes multiple things to make it a bad movie. I think about some a movie like X-Men, mm-hmm. which I think the is – The first a, X-Men. Yeah, the first X-Men, yeah. which I think is a great movie. But I think has some of the worst dialogue you've ever heard in a movie <laughs> before. Uh, when when what's her face? Oh, it was uh, Halle Berry's character. It's Storm. Coincidentally, the same one that is uh, yeah, that's yeah, Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. That's just unfortunate for her. But uh, when when she's about to 
about to shock, what's his name, Toad. And she's like, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? And then there's a dramatic pause. And she goes, the same thing that happens to everything else. And then she zaps him. And I'm like, that was the worst line I've ever heard in my life. And it's so funny that you bring that up because uh, I have read about that specific line from, uh, is it Joss Whedon that, that wrote that script? And, and he said, that line was not supposed to be delivered that way. And having been immersed in the whole thing, have you seen the X-Men cartoons from the 90s? No. Okay. No. I would recommend them. Okay. Um, okay. There is a portrayal of Storm in there. And I can guarantee you that Halle Berry watched that portrayal because the way she's carrying on Storm has quite a bit of that uh, X-Men cartoon from the 90s. And this very sort of, do you know what happens to a toad? Like the way she, you can tell <laughs> she's listened to it. But then... Uh, Josh Whedon says, no, the way that that line was supposed to be delivered is she strikes Toad with lightning and then the same thing that happens to everybody else. Okay. Not the same thing that happens to everyone. And so it's in delivery. Oh, yeah. and, there, yeah. and there's a lot of things about that X-Men movie that, yeah. well, look, in that time, nobody cared about comic book movies. And all yeah. that was happening in X-Men is like, well, maybe they will. But no, still people didn't have much faith that this was going to yeah. go anywhere. And so everything is a little off still, yeah, as sure. you can see. I mean, and it's weird because, again, at the time, those costumes look pretty good. You go back now yeah. and you're like, whoa, leather, lots yeah. of it. <laughs> we did a lot of leather early on, you know. Yeah. And um, some of the That's things funny. to commend Marvel movies for, I mean, costume design has dramatically yeah. improved, which is one of the very challenging things. One of the other things that is dramatically improved, look, actors, whatever's happened with actors, they've perfected a method. Mm. If they find the right people that these people can get buff. Oh my goodness. And well, that, that sounds was, like a whole nother podcast. That took right a long <laughs> time to get there too. And yeah. these are things that, you know, <clears throat> look, part of the problem with turning a comic book into a film is even in the nineties, people were kind of saying, you know, we see you artists, you keep drawing these characters <laughs> more and more muscle bound. Sometimes they don't even look like human beings that much. Yeah. And so that's a big problem to then move that to a, a film where they have to look like human beings. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Actually, I, I <clears throat> saw something recently about uh, uh, Hugh Jackman uh, when he was preparing for, for Wolverine and X-Men, like he actually didn't quite get into the shape that he wanted to be in for that role. And, and you look at him in the, you know, X-Men or the uh, Wolverine roles he's played since then. And he's always just huge, you know. Enormous. Yeah. He's really a tail trailblazer oh, in yeah. that. He, yeah. I mean, uh, Wesley Snipes was in great shape to play uh, blade. Yeah. Um, but Hugh Jackman really was, a, was a leader in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I have to ask just before we do move to the meat of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on a, th that simple question of just your favorite Marvel movie. What would you say? Oh, Marvel, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's going to be an answer that people don't like. Really? I think. I think it's going to be a hot take. Um, my favorite Marvel movies are tend to be the funnier ones. Now they've gone overboard. Okay. They've gone overboard since Endgame, I think. Uh, but probably Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. Like Guardians of the Galaxy the, 1? The original. Yeah, 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 the first one. Volume 2 was great, though, I thought. I, I thought uh, particularly the way, even though it was a, it's a particularly funny franchise, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of set of movies, um, 
when when Yondu dies, which I kind of, yeah, he's kind of sort of an <laughs> honorable mention alert. in this whole thing. Yeah, sorry if you've never watched this ten-year-old <laughs> yeah, sure. movie. But, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, when, when Yondu dies and like they have the the moment for him at the end, what was halfway expected but they didn't do, which was good, was like ruin that moment with funny like there was mm-hmm. funny throughout the whole movie that moment they let just sort of be that moment sure which i thought was great and, and appropriate so um yeah i would say guardians of the galaxy probably number one i think that's it's fun. hilarious i think it's got good action good and people come line. to movies for different things yeah and so yeah yeah that, that's that's a good take i'm not i'm okay with that take thanks um favorite for me uh because i i and and this is not this is the least hot take you can get because my favorite is Endgame, mm-hmm. and the reason why is I don't expect in my lifetime to see another movie where no. you bring together twenty two movies in a way that respects pretty much that's mm-hmm. I know it respects in general everything that happened in the first twenty two movies yeah. and then respects the characters they have major characters have an arc that makes sense these characters were always going somewhere we respected where that character was going. And then it sorted itself into a meaningful conclusion mm-hmm. against a villain that made sense. The threat was real. But, I mean, there are moments in that movie that, that yeah, I would say, matched, if not superseded, any experience I had reading a comic book. Yeah. And you didn't expect that. Um, and so, so in game for that reason... Uh, and, and, and I would almost like to tie, I mean, you don't have Infinity right. War. I'm sorry, you don't have Endgame without Infinity Correct. War. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I like Infinity War. I get why they wanted to do that kind of sprawling. We're going to go around all the past for the first half of Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what you see happen there, I, I it is ingenious storytelling. Yeah. I mean, it is... I would love to know like the time that it took the, these are some talented people in terms of sorting through everything that happened and, and, and asking, you know, questions that uh, I'm thankful that they asked, like where, where were these characters going? Even down to, I, I can't think of a character that I would say, Oh, that was a disservice to that character. I mean, like uh, characters like Hawkeye get their place and, yeah. and, 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 and I mean moments, this is not easy to do to have a movie that that is that fast paced and still handle meaningful moments happen between so many different characters uh they when they want it to be personal they slim it down to a few characters when they want it to be big it's big yeah so so that is what oh, i yeah. say in game <clears throat> is my argument for the in theater experience why i think theaters yeah. need to remain you know if you, yeah. if you want to to experience that and what what i mean by that just youtube like in game in theater experience or the, uh, theater theater reaction i think to in game and watch as these scenes are happening in this like you said, twenty-two movie story is coming to a to a point right here in mm-hmm. this moment. Um, not to mention that is also the point when things are about to be made right. Yeah. You know, and we, we we're going to talk about that more. But like in that moment, the the theater reaction to that was oh, hysteria, yeah. joy, excitement. Right. You know, rallying. Like you felt like you were in that moment. You know. Right. And just go watch that YouTube video. There's probably more than one, but YouTube video of the in theater reaction to Avengers Endgame, uh, you it will give you kind of kind of goosebumps and yeah. and that's what it was like being in the theater watching that movie. Right. Even in in theaters that weren't packed, you know, right. if you went anytime, you know, in the first probably month of seeing that movie to to a, a normal showing, like you're gonna hear reactions in the theater. That's uh, that's a cool thing. I, I argue for theaters and the kind of the theater yes. experience, you know, and that's my biggest proof 
for that. And as those who did not grow up, and neither of us did with uh, when Star Wars came to exist, when nobody expected much out of Star Wars, and then the things that you've heard about, you know, uh, when Luke find out finds out who his father is, and, oh, yeah. and and I mean what that was like to it it is an experience like that for us in yeah. in in this to go. I I had some sort of hints that something like this may happen, but when it did, oh. something and this is exactly where we're going today is. It seems like something even beyond this movie was happening right there. Before this happened, I didn't know my heart exactly wanted this to happen. Yeah. But something that's happening right now is taking me different places. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's great. Because there's, uh, you know, we could talk all day long. There's so much emotion wrapped up in that movie. Like, you not only have, um, you know, the the satisfaction of, like, evil about to be killed, but you have the reuniting of friends who yep. have been lost for, for years now. And you have, you know, all this stuff. So great, great moment. Um, if we haven't sold you on Marvel movies, hopefully we have at this point. We're fans here. Um, you know, if you watch anything uh, between Iron Man and Endgame, it's a pretty good guarantee you're going to mm-hmm. watch a pretty solid movie. Um, but with that in mind, specifically what we want to do today is talk about some of the moral themes um, in our, our what we find to be the best movies that portray certain certain themes that we can can as Christians look at it and go, that is good and that is right and and ought to be celebrated and take time to celebrate that because of how it reflects uh, a good creator and and the fact that uh, evil does exist and we long to see evil defeated right mm-hmm. um, and many other themes that we could talk about but I'm going to start with you Jackson uh, do you want to start with honorable mentions I think we start with honorable mentions okay what what uh, is one honorable mention that you didn't end up selecting as your final choice right and. So it's so important, th- this element, because we all do instinctively believe in good and evil. And what's, what's odd about it is this is, uh, this is a key driver that if this is handled well, it makes for a good movie. Mm-hmm. Now, not every movie, the consequences are going to be as huge as they were in, say, Endgame. Right. And so uh, I'm going to bring up... What I, a movie that I would say for most people is is pretty in the middle of the pack as far as is it your favorite is your least favorite, um, and I certainly get why. So, Thor, the original Thor, the first Thor is okay. is my honorable mention because his moral struggle in that movie is he thinks he's awesome, yeah, pride, and to a degree he's right, yeah, but. Hubris. I mean, it is it is overreaching pride that he deals with, and he lacks important characteristics. Mm. And his father tells him, "You aren't all that you think you are." Mm-hmm. But look, he's not able to grasp that, and he's gonna have to go find that out for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, look as as a uh, spectacle, this movie is sh- certainly lacking, and I would say that's probably the weakest point of it. Is mm. <laughs> fights at the end, you're kind of going. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I, uh, I don't think this is going to be that meaningful. And then it ends, and you're like, "Yep, that wasn't that meaningful." But I mean, the story of Thor one is: is he going to get over himself? Yeah. And what a useful question for all of us. Yeah. And and that is um, one of the stranger things, as I uh, I've heard people go talk about Marvel movies over the years, is 
Well, look, if the um, if what it looks like kind of throws you off because you were never a comic book guy, I get that. You know, like the that matters the, the way it looks. You know, like it's it's westerns have a vibe. Comic book movies ha- have certainties about them, and so not everybody's going to get into them. But the character moments and and the fact that look why we like movies is we get to go along for a ride and we may or may not learn the lesson that this person learns to mm-hmm. some degree. And that's, that's powerful. That's, yeah. that's why I think intuitively we're drawn yeah. uh, to movies. And so uh, the lesson that he learns is that uh, he can't do everything. And yeah. that's huge. I mean, and, and, and a lesson that man, everybody's got to learn and we are all told it, but we all have to fail yeah. to learn it. And it's a grace of God that we do fail sometimes, and especially if we will turn to him and say, okay, maybe I'm not everything that I think I am. Oh, it's hard. I mean, it's, it is extremely difficult. Those moments are not easy, but wow, we have to have them. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, the, that is one of, one of them that I considered as an honorable mention. I actually thought about making it my, my choice uh, because of the theme of pride and humility. You know, the, the point of, or the, the biggest problem with Thor that you see is his pride. Like you said, he thinks he's all that. Uh, he thinks he's all that and a box of ho-hos. I mean, the dude is, he is all about himself. And, and the point his dad, you know, seeks to, to, to make and to teach him and ultimately does is that, um, you know, you're not fit to be king. And the, the right. biggest thing that has caused you to be unfit to be king is your pride, right. your arrogance. You know, that, that does not make for a good leader. And, you know, he ultimately, like, learns humility and, and, and demonstrates that by a, a sacrificial act at the, the end of the movie where he is, he's willing to die for the sake of, of what, what by and large Asgard people consider to be, you know, peons. That is, you know, people from earth. Uh, what, what do they call earth in that? Midgard. Midgard. Yeah. 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 So people of Midgard, you know, they, they tend to worship us as, as gods, you know? Right. Uh, but he then at that moment was willing to die for them to, to allow them to, to live. And so, you know, that was a demonstration of, of the humility that he'd learned. I think one of the most powerful points in that movie was when Thor, having been banished to Midgard, uh, learns where his hammer is, and he goes to go and, and claim his hammer, what he considers to be rightfully his. He's, he's mm-hmm. Thor. He's the god of thunder. This is, this is uh, Mjolnir. This is his hammer, right? right. And uh, the, the point, one of the things that is a key to the movie is the hammer um, is only able to be wielded by the one who's worthy. Yeah. And when Thor goes to that site where his hammer is and tries to pick it up and, and is completely devastated right there in, in the rain, it was raining on him, it was dark, mm-hmm. and, and this scene is unfolding where he is just met with the reality that he is unworthy. Mm-hmm. And it was a shock to him. And like, that was a pretty powerful moment as he just you know, screamed and basically just sat there in, in the mud defeated after mm-hmm. being unable to pick up his hammer. And, um, good moment. Good moment in the the MCU. Uh, also, the moment where we're introduced to Clint Barton briefly. Right, Hawkeye shows up there. So that's right. a fun little fun little thing as well. But yeah, great movie. I agree. That is a good honorable mention. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about Thor? I li- add one more thing. Um, the Thor movies have been, and I, I'm going to say they continue, even though they sort of got a new track for how they want to handle them through Ragnarok. It always felt that way in the comics as well, that you're just, you have this idea of what kind of the Marvel universe is, and then they 
kind of attached Norse mythology, sort yeah. of unadorned, just like, oh yeah, by the way, this is all here too. And if you ask, yeah, how'd they do that exactly? It's like, yeah, that's a great question because they never were quite sure how that worked. But then uh, this will be a, a story for a later podcast, but that ties us into what myth is. Yeah. These deep stories that we've heard uh, throughout kind of the history of humanity. Uh, and this was the specialization of men like J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and others. Um, that these stories have a purpose. They're given to us on purpose. It's just very funny uh, because, yeah, this is very, very hard to handle. Yeah. And and the way they handle it in Thor 1, and one of the things that is a put-off from Thor 1 is it's a high sort of style that they're going after, but the Marvel Universe is usually a very everyday low sort of style. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, like, how do you make jokes in a high style when it's all, you know... That's that's very difficult, very difficult, very challenging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so I expect they'll continue to struggle. Like what I've seen of Thor, I kind of go, oh, I, I don't know if you all know where you're going now because yeah. this is thing B, but this you can't just ride this wave forever either. Right. Um, this is a hard character to integrate with all these other characters. Yeah. And um, so it's fun to watch them try to do that. But wow, um, that that explains a lot of why that movie has shortcomings yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, it, you know it's a funny little thing too. Like they, what they do, and and I don't know if the, I guess the credit primarily goes to to the comic book writers, so Stanley and others, how they kind of created these characters and stuff. But uh, they bring in you know Norse mythology and Thor and Doctor Strange. They bring in sort of. Uh, Eastern mysticism and all of these kind of elements as well, and and they they don't shy away from that stuff. They are happy to bring all that kind of stuff in. And I, I think what if I were to say is kind of the contribution from the West or, or sort of the United States Western ideology, I would say and this gets to my honorable mention. Okay, is sort of the um, sort of the resilience, the um, uh, individuality, the independence of. Captain America. Mm-hmm. I think Captain America was he was one I, I considered for my for my top choice. Uh, Captain America, first Avenger specifically, but yeah. you see it in the theme of Captain America throughout um, the movies. This theme of sort of um, honestly, I, I would say righteousness. Now, when I say righteousness, I'm speaking humanly. I'm not trying to say that he was righteous before God, um, for he was not right. But um, but this idea of someone who is impeccable, who is upstanding in their moral character yep. to a fault, yep. you know, who is, is, is without spot, without blemish. Um, and, and this spotlessness, this moral character that is, that is unshaking is seen as an ideal. It is seen as good and right. And even though throughout the movies, they portray like times when his, his moral convictions being what they are, become a stumbling block or even to some seem not good, you know, causing problems. There is a sort of universal understanding that being upright in this way, doing what's right, excuse me, doing what's right for the sake of doing what's right is good. Mm-hmm. It, this is a good thing. And, right. and that's part of what makes Captain America so great is that no matter what, he does what's right, at least in his own eyes, you know, and he sure. is as firm and as moral conviction. He's not going to be, he's not going to be bought. He's not going to be bribed. He's not right. going to be uh, influenced. He is upright in his in his moral character mm-hmm. to the nth degree uh, and i think also his resolve uh yeah the, what we see you know this sort of catchphrase of his i could do this all day yep. you know that he says throughout the throughout the movies um which i love you know i love that kind of resolve and and again what what we see from these things and why 
a part of what makes him such a likable character and is that these are good traits mm-hmm. resolve resilience determination um righteousness being upright mm-hmm. and, and upstanding all of these things are seen as things to emulate things to attain to and i think especially in our western culture which is why i think he is probably the best sort of picture of western contributions to these marvel movies that we see um added in it's, it's more western than anything because it's written from from a western perspective right yeah. but uh, he is probably the best sort of sampling of that yeah yeah i mean i, I think he, he the character sort of is uh what does individualism have to offer well if if that individual finds a way to commit themselves to the good with some sort of resolve that mm-hmm. is that is beyond uh, their own capability. I mean, even um, that's powerful. Yeah. And, and, you know, Captain America is uh, fascinating from the standpoint of he's only comparable, I, I would think to Superman in the sense that there's two superpowers that they each have. Yeah. One is the one that everybody focuses on Captain America, super soldier serum, Superman, Krypton and yeah. everything that comes from that. But then the other one that, that you will probably not think about for a long time if you read the comics or even if you start watching the movies of each of these characters is, look, without their emphasis on character, this is a completely different situation. Uh, and so and, and with Superman, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate that both of these things got stuck together. He's just too powerful. The stories kind of don't go very far because you can't tempt him with evil. And you can't beat him up. You know, it's like, what's going to be the, the major thing in most every Superman story? Hey, you guys ever heard of kryptonite? You know, and it's like, yeah. oh, look at that. Lex Luthor got a hold of kryptonite. I never saw this story coming. Yeah. But it makes Captain America uh, interesting. And they handled this well as far as, is he powerful? Yes. But he's not Thor powerful. Right. He's not even really. And that's ooh, watching the movie that I will bring up. Is he Iron Man powerful? No, he really isn't. Um, Oh, now that's a hot take. uh, That's a hot take. And so his resolve, and and this, to understand this character, I mean, look at what happened in Endgame. That endurance was pushed to the absolute limit, and and they know the character. And he's still... That that writing the line, writing the character, I can do this all day against all odds. Yeah. That's why you're sitting there going, "This is who this character is," right. and it's it, it speaks to our hearts. We we know we need endurance and perseverance. Mm-hmm. We know that you don't come by it easy. We know we're weak. We know we need to strive, mm-hmm. and the character says to us, "Yes, you should. Yeah, you should strive for endurance and perseverance. You have to have it." That's right. And, and, you know, another thing that comes out of that too, like you said, he, it's, it's this combination that makes him the right leader of the Avengers. Cause right. he does, he does come out as the, the leader, leader of the Avengers, um, the, the captain, if you will. And a, a part of the point, you know, that they're making is that what is a necessary ingredient to make this man, the right leader for this, for this group, um, is his moral character. You know, the whole right. first half of the movie, um, first Avenger, Captain America, first Avenger was, a picture of his character. They weren't just going to give this serum to a good person. Right. It had to be the most upright, upstanding, um, good charactered person that they could find. Yeah. Uh, it just so happened that that was this scrawny kid from, from the Bronx, right? Uh, or Brooklyn, not the Bronx. He was from Brooklyn. Um, 
you know, and, and so, but what made him so great was not just the super soldier serum, but that, like you said, coupled with with his character. Uh, it's a, it's a similar thing to what we see. We just talked about with Thor where he was qualified for that, for that place that he was in because of his, uh, not, not simply humility. I think there, I think there is an element of humility, um, but more so moral character. He was, yeah. he was upright, right? Uh, so that's my honorable mention. Yeah. And I'm sticking to yeah, it. Yeah. And I, uh, and on these things, uh, before I push you, before I ask the real question, um, this realm of honor and shame, questions that we all have about what is honorable, what is worth giving yourself to, what, what should we be focusing on? That, that sort of, since we live in an innocence guilt kind of framework, that this is all coming back now. And these movies are enabling us to think about these sorts of things, which are hugely important questions. Yeah. You know, what things are actually, I mean, the, the, the root of honor and glory is, is weight, heaviness in, in the Old Testament. Okay, what is actually valuable? What is actually weighty and heavy for you to be giving yourself to? What really matters when everything is said and done? And, and for that reason, I mean, that is exactly what we, that's why these movies and movies in general are valuable. They allow you to get outside of yourself and to think about what you're giving yourself to in your life. Because we're all limited. We only got so many days. We don't know how many. That's that's overwhelming to us. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we what we've got, and we uh, the time that we have. It goes quick, mm-hmm. and we're we're pouring ourselves out day by day. So what should we give ourselves to? So this is all so valuable for us to be thinking about, and and it's a uh, it's it, it is. And I I had never thought about this until I heard somebody say. This is the primary storytelling means of sort of our culture is through movies. And so this is how we're speaking to each other in a lot of ways. And, and it is what it is. You accept yeah. it because it's what we're doing. And, and we talk to each other about it. So one of the, that's why we like talking about movies so much. Yeah. yeah. All sure. right, Denton. So give it to me. Uh, what is your favorite movie just in terms of the battle between good and evil? Um, mine is Avengers Endgame. It's one okay. you've already mentioned. Um, and I think it's, it maybe to a point seems like the easy answer because in this sort of phase or season of Marvel, it was the conclusion of this great overarching battle between good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not that evil is ultimately defeated and there is no evil anymore, right? But, uh, but this one nemesis, this one uh, character, this one foe who has presented himself and and a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. is ultimately defeated in this movie. There, there's a few themes from this movie that caused me to, to select it as my choice. Um, I think the first one is probably the most obvious it's Iron Man's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, so the sacrificial nature of Iron Man, and, and this is a character who I think had really a good character arc through the whole kind of, um, set of movies not just the iron man movies but all throughout you see everything from tony stark from um his his pride his arrogance um which never completely goes away through the films like we know that uh he is always tony stark right um but you see that being tempered with other things um you see that even still he has a sacrificial uh, nature a willingness to sacrifice uh you know, we, you even see that in the movie The Avengers, right? Um, where he was willing to fly that nuclear bomb into the, mm-hmm. the wormhole thing. Um, but you also see throughout the films him dealing with, you know, issues between he and his father. Uh, he and his parents in general, but particularly he and his father. And There's even one moment in Avengers Endgame 
where he gets to sort of reconnect with his father and uh, and this father son relationship in the movie, which, which is interesting, mm-hmm. uh, in the movies, but in in Endgame in particular, especially, we see the importance of the the relationship between a father and son and the mm-hmm. significance it has on a person's life. I mean, that comes out in Tony Stark's story um, heavily, and I think that's a good thing to hear because uh, I think fathers are important, more important than than we than we realize in the lives of children. And so that was a really good part of the story. But but then the ultimate end of, of Captain America, where in that last moment, th- this is a, mind you, this is a human being mm-hmm. up against a, a Titan mm-hmm. who has the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. And he squares up with him, takes him on, and, and basically sacrifices him. him not basically. He, he sort of diverts his attention onto himself, takes a, a beating for it, so that he can get the stones away from him mm-hmm. and then ultimately sacrifices himself to use these stones mm-hmm. uh, in order to win the day mm-hmm. and set everything right um, and, and defeat Thanos. And, and so, man, like when you, when you see that picture, that picture of sacrifice, um, that is a good and right picture and something we see in Scripture as good and right. Uh, in Scripture, we might see it phrased something like, um, there's no greater love than this than one who would lay down his life for his brother. Yep. Right. Um, and we see no greater picture of that than in Christ Jesus himself. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, I don't want it to be misunderstood to say that like the end game is a Christian movie. That's not the point I'm making, but it is to say, uh, things like this sacrifice that we see in Tony Stark is good to be admired. And we admire yep. it. Because it is a it is a picture that we are wired to admire and to hold as as good and right, and it is a picture that we see ultimately fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Right. It, um, it is a good dream that says, "Hey, what if there was a world where sacrifice mattered, where sacrifice got got you somewhere, where sacrifice did good and did a, an important good that other kinds of good can't do." Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what you see. In, in that movie. And um, and this, in addition, you know, he is essentially sacrificing what he had, you know, what he had found mm-hmm. um, between the last movie and, and Endgame, and that is he had a family, you know. And this was a, this was a new Tony Stark that yep. came back after Infinity War, yep. um, who came back, um, married Pepper, they had a, a little daughter, he had every reason not to go through with this, not to to change what had been changed, not yep. to risk his skin for this, because for the first time in all the movies, you see Tony Stark in a way that you've never seen him before, right. and that is uh, with his family. Right? Yep, he he sacrificed. I mean, think about the the lesson of uh, the first Thor movie. He sacrificed himself. He mm-hmm. got over the love of himself. He sacrificed his family. Look, he sacrificed the friendships that he sort of unwittingly gained. He sacrificed his own goals. He he looked at a world bigger than himself. I mean, th- that's why there's so much going on there. The sacrifice is on multiple levels. And then it in that moment, you see it and you go, oh, yeah, yeah this is where we were going. Yeah, for sure. And so um, just a great, great moment and, and character in Tony Stark. Um, and the other person, this one, this one's sort of a, a wild card. Um, but another th- another thing that we see in, and I'm going to reach beyond Endgame now, but it, it, like Tony Stark, it sort of culminates in Endgame, and that's the story of Clint Barton. Yeah. Um. So Clint Barton, if I were to name my favorite character in the MCU, 
He's my favorite. Hawkeye. Yeah. Clint, Clint Barton. And the reason is because what we see actually, in my opinion, a lot of the same themes of goodness, uprightness, character, mm-hmm. righteousness that we see in Captain America are largely found in Clint. Yep. Um, the same kind of selflessness, the same sorts of things, with the exception of he does, you, we do see him become corrupted. Yep. And the reason he becomes corrupted, if, you know, is in Endgame, between Avengers, yeah. Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame, what happens is, as we see in Endgame, he loses his family to what Thanos has right. done. His family, all of them, his wife and his two children are ripped away from him. Mm-hmm. And man, oh man, one, one of the, the things about that is, and one of the things I love Clint, is that he is presented as a father. Uh, we see through, through him the importance of family, the value of family. And not only that, we see a good father figure presented who... You know, you know, we don't get any backstory as to previous relationships and stuff. But what we do see in that story is a right and God ordained family unit mm-hmm. in a good and appropriate way. It's not a dad who's a complete buffoon. It's not a uh, mother and, and father who are divorced and living in separate places. You have the picture of the family uh, there and yeah. the value of that, and it's the loss of his wife and children, which would appropriately and, and understandably send anyone into a state of anger, depression, even corruption. And for him, it leads him to a sort of vigilanteism where he goes about, you know, mm-hmm. um, killing, you know, what he, what he perceives to be, you know, rightly so evil, wicked people. Now it's not justifying his actions, uh, certainly, but it, even still, uh, it is an understandable kind of thing. And I think that is the thing that sets him apart from Captain America yeah. is that you do end up seeing corruption in him to an extent and you're pushing me this is really good you're pushing me to think more than i had about hawkeye he's tempted to despair yeah he i mean and despair is utter hopelessness Mm. and and look he becomes a lower version of himself he gives himself to something lower in him and and that anger using his abilities just ruthlessly and who calls him back one of the few things that he had left yeah a friend that's right i mean incredibly powerful i hadn't thought about that really powerful i mean um, and that's Again, so many stories are coming together, and that's that's a powerful movie. When you can think back on it, and you go, "Oh yeah, there's another thing in there." That in in the moment, I'm riding, I'm 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 riding the wave. I'm going along with that. But so many other things were happening that you can't look at it all at once. There's a lot of strands, so right. it's really good. Right, and, and in addition to that, what you also have, as you said, you know, uh, Black Widow kind of brings him out of that. Uh, what you also have is that you have a story of redemption, mm-hmm. you know, man who is who is brought back out of his corruption, out of his giving in to despair and, and and a sort of redemption to the point where he is again, you know, ready to do all that is necessary and sacrifice himself. Yeah. In in one scene in the movie, and ultimately doesn't is is kept from you know sacrificing himself in that way. But uh, then one one pretty cool moment for Clint was after they think, okay, we've done it, you know. Uh, Professor Hulk, right, snaps his fingers with yeah. the the stones, and and one of the first things you see is his phone ring, and he answers, mm-hmm. and it's his wife. Yeah, and it's like, oh man, I can't imagine like what that kind of phone call would bring. And so, um, great movie. That yep. that's a part of why. And then the last thing, this was sort of a a, a, a aside, but it it does. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't call call it an anti environmental message, uh, but 
like in the movie, you, you see kind of this idea that, you know, in a sense, what Thanos has done has brought about a certain kind of thriving. Uh, there's more room. Um, this is a thing that's also brought up in, in a newer series that they've done uh, with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But this idea that there was pros that came out of this. And actually, you know, maybe the Earth was a little bit sort of um, overpopulated or whatever. And all that kind of stuff that I just think is is well, a, a bad message to say that, like, there's too many people, right? Too, you know, uh, sort of giving any credence to that. But even in that, you know, they were like, it doesn't matter that maybe it seems like, you know, there's a whale in the harbor, so that's like a, something to be celebrated or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's value in life, mm-hmm. and therefore we're going to bring these people back because their lives had value and they were mm-hmm. taken. And so I, I did kind of like that message as well, one that I'm I'm for. Well, sure. I mean, the, the, Thanos, uh, the Thanos villain who has an ideal, which is balance, and this twisted idea of balance, and we see... He's willing to sacrifice because we can't live without ideals, but he is twisted because he has the wrong ideals. So he, he, we can't help but fight for our ideals. But listen, your ideals are very dangerous too. Mm-hmm. If you're wrong about that, you're giving your life to the wrong thing. And so he does and he sacrifices the wrong things. Um, so that, what, is, what does that say? I mean, from a Christian worldview, we're given this earth to oversee. And so, yes, we have to do that. But you can't do end runs and say, well... Apparently, you all aren't doing it right, so I'm just going to leverage you into, I mean, is it a one-child-only policy like mm-hmm. China tried mm-hmm. to do and yeah. now is regretting? Oh, this yeah. is not how it works. Yeah. You, you, you cannot uh, twist at fundamental elements of what it is to be human and expect everybody to just roll over and go, okay, well, we'll, we'll wait while right. you do your experiment. Right. It doesn't work that way. No, yeah. it does not. So that, that is the, the explanation for why Avengers Endgame is what I find to be one of the most, um, uh, one of the, one of the best movies in the MCU that depicts like good, uh, moral messaging. All right. Yeah. What about you, Jackson? If you were to p- pick one, uh, what would it be? So I thought about this. Uh, we started talking about this last week and, uh, I think that you could say quite a few things, um, but I'm going to pick Captain America Civil War. Okay. And largely because I think it asks the right question. Um, that question is, okay, where do we put our hope, though? Yeah. And, and the question, in a lot of ways, of Captain America Civil War is, is our hope going to be in individuals who will do their best? Or is our hope in sort of governmental structures or, or institutions. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, this is as old a conversation as humanity, mm-hmm. but we're dealing with it in a unique way, obviously because we are having to live in a world where we can communicate all around the world. So far, the conversation hasn't gotten very far as because in, in individualistic societies, we tend to just say, well, boy, those institutions, they create all kinds of problems. And it's like, Sure, they can, but institutions are just people getting together and saying these are our aims. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think we're just still uh, too impatient to realize that you have to get together with other people and make long-term goals and then be patient for these things to kind of play themselves out. You can't flip over huge problems in a day. And I know myself and I know us, and we're just too impatient for these sort of things. Um, and so... That movie, I think, is great from a moral standpoint because that question is so important. It, where should we put our hope? I mean, and those are high terms. 
what do we think will affect change? What do we think, where should we look for solutions? And I have great sympathy for the Tony Stark side, which basically says, look, individuals make mistakes and errors. Trust me. <laughs> I know as he seems to, uh, his position is there. So I, I'm not saying I see how all this is going to sort itself out, but we need to trust in this institution. Now, what's interesting about um, Civil War, the story, I was out of comics and I did not know the story. And so I, uh, I saw the movie and then read the comic later and they handled the story so well. They made it more, more personal, more involved. Uh, the, the questions were more pointed. The statements were more pointed in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, but in some ways, they kind of leave you in the movie with the answer, which is, well, come on, obviously, we should trust individuals. I, do, I don't think that that's so clear that, mm -hmm. you know, you mm -hmm. just, because what are we really saying, you know, let's, let's do a sweepstakes or some sort of assessment and find the 10 most upstanding, talented people in our country and then, man, just give them all the power. Yeah. And, and I, I just think it's an unexamined sort of statement that the movie kind of comes to, mm -hmm. but I think it's the right question and that's why I'm picking it mm -hmm. because it's hugely, I mean, the, very, very important question yeah. is, okay, what, what is the answer to it? Um, now, in a lot of ways, they confirm their answer to it in the movie you just mentioned, which mm -hmm. is, look, even this guy who, this guy who was on the side of saying, let's give the government guide, guiding power over the Avengers, Tony Stark, he ends up being the one mm -hmm. who sacrifices himself yeah. in the end. Individually. Yeah. Right. And, and so um, that, that seems to sell even more of that story. But here's, here's a, a term that's super important at this point that comes uh, straight out of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, the term is eucatastrophe, E-U and then catastrophe. It's, it's the good catastrophe. And um, it's, it's a weird term, but it's one of those that when I ran across it and, and it was explained to me, you've seen this hundreds of times in movies. And you love it because here's the thing. What if everything looks like it's going to fall apart and is literally almost within an inch of falling apart? And then somehow at the last moment, everything works out. Right. Uh, that's what we want. Yeah. That's a good movie. But strangely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so strange that we can watch movie after movie where that happens and we know that day by day, our lives don't sort themselves out that way. Mm -hmm. But still yet, uh, well, for instance, I was in college. I had a creative writing class. And we all had to write stories. It was like kind of the big story. And then we all gave them to each other. It was really a powerful experience. And then we all read each other's stories. And then we talked about them. And I wrote the story about a knight uh, who goes through trials. It was called Trials of Light. And I wanted, as so many do, I wanted to be different in my storytelling. And in my story, the bad guy won. And what was strange about it is, even I looked at it and I went, yeah, all I can say is I wanted to be different. Is it satisfying? No. We all know that day by day, sometimes bad guys win. Mm -hmm. But something about us. We don't want stories like that. And we want stories like Endgame and look like 
most every movie that you see where a lot of different things that look like aren't going to come together do come together. Uh, we want to see evil be defeated. We want to believe that. We want to live in a world where ultimately evil is defeated. We want it to our core. And, and I think in a lot of ways our hearts are afraid to believe that we do live in that world. Because look, so this has been a theme of mere Christianity. Look, evil is often powerful. Evil is insidious. It lives, it lives more places than you think it does. It's scary that it lives in your own heart. Another Tolkien phrase is though, what if everything sad is coming untrue? And our hearts are afraid. What if it's not, though? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but what if it is? Yeah. Uh, and that's a question worth exploring. Yeah, that's uh, right. And, and that's what uh, we're after. And, and uh, that's what is good in, in these movies that we're talking about. I agree. You, you watch these movies, and, and like even though the evil takes a specific kind of face, it looks a specific way in these movies, there is a, something that we, that we feel that we know, and that even though the evil I see in the world around me in, in reality, in life, might not look exactly like Red right. Skull. It might not look exactly like um, Thanos. It might not look exactly like uh, Ultron, right? But we do know that there is evil. There is darkness in the world around us. And in the same way, we don't want the story in these Marvel movies, whether the original, you know, the small story as we see in like each specific movie, or the or the overarching story that we see, um, sort of concluded, if you will, in Endgame. We don't want to see it the same way. We don't want to see the story of of life and what we are are experiencing reality. We don't want to see it end with the bad guy winning. Yep. What do we want? We want it to end with. Uh, with the with evil losing and being destroyed and good winning and, yep. and light winning out and that you know this is why we wanted to do this podcast yep. is because what it ultimately leads us to should as Christians is to celebrate the reality that what the gospel tells us and what we see in God's word is that we currently live in a world right now where evil exists and where evil has to a large extent authority and reign and into our eyes victory. But what we know to be true of the gospel is that this isn't the end of the story, right. that the end of the story is coming. And what we see at the end of the story, if you, if you read the book of Revelation, one of the, uh, one of the professor I had for New Testament to uh, Dr. Tom Schreiner, uh, he said about the book of Revelation, he said, I read it when I was a new Christian and there was a lot of things in it I didn't understand. He said, the one thing I understood clearly, even as a new Christian, as I read the book of Revelation is that we win. Yeah, yeah. Christ wins in the end. Evil is ultimately going yeah. to be destroyed. Right. And that is the that is the ending we want and the mm -hmm. ending we long for. And for those of us who are in Christ, the ending that is coming for us. Yeah. And that's what we can when we watch these movies, when we hear these stories, that's what we can be reminded of of the victory of of goodness over evil. That we do not look at the world and see two evil powers, um, neither one of them actually being, you know, better than the other or more desirable desirable than the other uh, that's not what we see we do not see that we see one that is good and that is right and that will win mm -hmm. and we see the opponent and that's why you know c.s lewis in the book we talked about last week um said that really what we live in right now is a state of civil war right rebellion yeah. against what is good against what is right rebellion against god and so 
that's the beauty that we can see in these stories is that they remind us of the reality as Christians. Uh, they ought to direct us to the reality that is ours in Christ Jesus is that evil will be destroyed. Ultimately, mm-hmm. the story is going to end the way it ought. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, if we, if we began to see a whole bunch of movies where the bad guys kept winning and the good guys kept losing, that'd be a really sad state of affairs. And, uh, I think, not many people would go see those movies, but it's a part of why we love these Marvel movies is that they present us with these themes and certainly you have to do some sifting. There's things and, and themes in, in the movies that come up that we would say are not good and not right, but it's the themes that we that resonate with us most that keep us coming back that really remind us of what is true in Christ Jesus, and I think that's good. Well, we've gotten a little bit off of Civil War now, and that's that's partially my fault, but... There is an interesting sort of dynamic in Civil War of uh, submission to authority, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, this is what I've always told people whenever we, I've talked to people about this. And, and I am uh, I'm on the side of Tony Stark. I'm Team Tony. Okay. Uh, team Iron Man in Civil War. And largely because uh, I, am, I am, when I read Romans 13, I think, what, what would that line me up with? Submission to, to authority. And I think that would caused me to err on the side of Tony Stark. Now, I recognize there's there's difficulties with that position that sure. I've just stated. It is not an end-all, be-all. But, uh, you know, even Tony Stark recognizes his own shortcomings, his own inabilities, um, his own fallenness, even if he might not describe it in that way. Uh, and he says, I, I don't trust myself entirely, right. uh, but I, I need to, to submit to oversight. I need to submit to, uh, to the authorities in this. And even still, like you see him sort of breaking out, even in that movie when he goes and helps Captain America near the end. But um, yeah, really cool stuff. You also see hurt relationships and reconciliation uh, to an extent in those movies. Um, Reconciliation for him and Captain America doesn't come until Endgame, but there is reconciliation found there. Really cool themes that are found. Um, And there's more I had kind of jotted down here, but I don't know if there's any reason to get into it. We've We've probably exhausted our time here, but um, is there any any concluding thoughts regarding uh, Marvel movies, art in general, and the Christian that you would like to say? Well, um, what I'm seeing now, and, and as far as okay, what what, what to make of uh, Phase uh, Four? Is that what we're in now, and we're going into Phase Five? Well, I, uh, I can't remember. Well, let's say can't like this: what to make of the movies since Endgame? Is anybody's guess? Because um, yeah. one of the strangest things about about where we really are right now is okay maybe maybe nobody knows good and evil mm. it's like okay well then stop making movies because mm. that's not an interesting story and and you you're seeing kind of uh thoughts uh, you're seeing statements uh the doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is kind of like okay where where are we going yeah uh yeah. exactly <laughs> uh and and so where i hope we're going is moral objectivism yeah yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I would be lying if I said that I was a fan of kind of everything that Marvel's been doing since Endgame. I th- I'm not saying they haven't had anything good, uh, that it's all just been terrible, but uh, these themes that we've been talking about here today, I see uh, waning and other themes that I would rather not see sort of expanding in certain ways. Um, so I, I agree with you there. I think I think one sort of, neat spot that I, I did like and I thought it brought us some interesting discussions was the the uh, short series Loki um, I thought it brought us some interesting discussions on free will um, I think you know you had a, a picture of of uh, the guy at the very 
end. I think his name was he, Kang. He, he who remains, but now <laughs> yeah. we know to be Kang, right? Kang the Conqueror, maybe. Um, but he is seen in, in a sense as like sovereign or, or an mm-hmm. idea of of one who was control of all things, right? Uh, interesting themes that are presented and and uh, presented in a specific way, but but the discussion around free will I did find to be uh, engaging to me. I, you know, yeah. I thought it was really good. But what what we see throughout these Marvel movies, we we see themes of the value of life, themes of good and evil. I think even themes of man's depravity um, all throughout. And I say man, that I would include in that all of different species found in uh, the MCU. Um, we see those things, and those are good themes that we see. And like, hey, we there's a reason why we we recognize those. Um, you know, there are things that are absent. We don't see anything like accountability to God, uh, themes of of sin or anything like that. And largely, what we see throughout the films is that man is able to present answers to man's problems, which we would say, yeah, only to a to a small degree, not not. Very much, though, ultimately. Now, I will, I will question. I think there are themes of sin all over the place in these movies. I mean... Uh, I guess it depends on how you define sin. But, I mean, uh, Tony Stark's lust, do they satisfy him? No, I mean, you oh, never, right. you never right. think that. Uh, right. Is betrayal wrong? Certainly. I mean, these are, these are the themes, I think, in that way yeah. are right there. I mean, being a traitor is not good. Now, are we arguing about who's a traitor, what, what was specifically? Well, yeah, but, I, again, it's all completely objective yeah that the, the people the characters are saying no i believe you are a traitor and i'm acting mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. i believe and that is the thing i'm concerned that we might be losing yeah I, it's not going to be interesting if what we're getting from now on is characters who kind of just walk around going hey by the way i'm really powerful and i'm going to do something okay but why don't worry about that yeah watch watch the fireworks you know right, it's like right. uh <laughs> i agree we've that- been grounded and i'm concerned that we're about to just cut every tie and just sort of be like yeah. hey what if i mean and that's the biggest concern i have about uh, the metaphysics the the multiverse yeah. like yeah. if everything exists everywhere and everybody moves between it's like have you thought this out yeah what is that gonna do you begin to lose purpose and meaning yes. like, things begin to become meaningless character dies does that matter because what if we yeah. can just go find another one i All mean right. yeah, you have there All are so right. many important questions that uh, are raised right now yeah. that boy do I hope they know where they're going and, with. <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of that is introduced in the movie that I presented today as in game. You know, presents some of those things and introduces that. But what what I was oh, saying yeah. with regards to like sin, I I w- didn't mean to say that like lust isn't seen as bad and and there aren't things that are presented as as bad and wrong. But sin with regards to what makes it sin, sure. And it's because sure. it's an it, we're accountable to God, you know, and accountability to, to God or really any higher power isn't really at all addressed in Mm -hmm. the, in the movies. And so I guess the point I want to make with that is to say, as Christians, we can watch the movies and see good things and good themes and good values in them, but we're always going to be lacking without certain themes that would, that need to be present and that we can sort of fill in the gaps with Mm -hmm. and say, here's what's missing and, and any sort of accountability to God. Why is it that, lust or betrayal is bad mm-hmm. well you know the the movies don't answer that question they don't right um we can answer those yeah, questions sure. though f- from a christian perspective and yeah. so when i said you know themes of, of accountability to god and sin sure. are lacking gotcha. that's kind of what i meant with that so well man jackson i think we've We've done a good job with this. I didn't expect this to be the podcast that got you emotional. Um, <laughs> no the, kidding. The, the Marvel movie podcast. <laughs> but you know what? I think it was warranted. I think the themes that we talk about here are heavy and, and good themes to consider. And 
theme. It's the theme. It's not that it's not just Stan Lee that got jealous right. and emotional. It's the theme that we resonate with that, that causes us to emote. And that's a part of art, you know, mm-hmm. and what makes good art. And, um, you know, to, to all the haters out there, this just goes to prove that Marvel is good art. Yep. Right. So, <laughs> well, I will leave you guys with that claim right there. Um, Jackson, unless you have anything to add, I don't. Well, then this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future.